I want you to answer that for yourself tonight. What is sitting at the bottom of my soul? Because you know what's awkward is when we're singing about God, we got all these words that we sing about God, but at the bottom of our soul, we're struggling with somebody we're in relationship with, and that's really the thing that's going on. We're concerned about, you know, things that out of our control. That's really what the, the meditation of the heart is that. And so that meditation of the heart is juxtaposed to the lyrics. They're not matching. Atmospheres suffer the mismatch. Atmospheres suffer the mismatch. What, what causes struggle in the worship environment is when there's a mismatch between what's coming out of the mouth of the worshiper and what's going on in the soul of the worshiper. And atmospheres, are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? Atmospheres suffer the mismatch between those two. Now, when there's congruence, write that word down, congruence. When the same thing I'm singing is the same thing I'm feeling, oh, and the same thing my heart has been meditating on, right? Then that thing flows out of us like a river, and before you know it, everybody else starts getting wet from what's flowing out of the inside of the worshiper. Everybody else, they have to come into it because somebody is already in the water. Does that make sense? So now, that means that you really got to look at what, what is worth holding your attention all day long? Oh, come on. Because whatever holds your attention all day long gets your worship. It does. All right? And we're going to look at that in our, our, our scriptures tonight. But I really want you all to really pay attention to it. And you may have to sit quietly. Matter of fact, I hope you do that tonight. Sit quietly and see what's going on. Because a lot of times, the busyness and the noise and the relationships and social media become a distraction to where you can't even hear what's going on down in the city of your soul. You don't even know what's going on. And it could be a lot of anxieties, could be worry, could be stress, could be fears, you know. Could be a lot of things. And then when we come to worship or the worship experience, we're creating this and cultivating an app. We are hosts for the presence of God. And we wonder, what is going on? Well, the mismatch. The atmosphere is suffering the mismatch. You got that? An atmosphere should never suffer the mis mismatch because the worshipers, the worship leader, we are worship leaders, right? Well, what is a leader? Think about this. The essence of leadership is to take the people from something to something. Huh? All of leadership is transitional in nature. Isn't that right? How many worship leaders in the room? So your worship should transition people from something to something. Oh, God. Because all leadership, including worship leading, is transitional in nature. Man, people should come in depressed, but they shouldn't, but they do. <laughs> they should come in depressed, and within the first few minutes of being in the atmosphere you've been in all day long, all week long, they're, they're shifted from it. They don't even know what happened to them. The, the atmosphere of worship happened just as fast as the issue that caused the depression. And before you know it, they're caught up 
in the, the rapture, huh? they're caught up in the rapture of what's been going on between you and God all week long. And they are transitioned, somebody shout, from something, from something. to something. Y'all got that? They come in despair. And all of a sudden, the songs that you sing are so full of hope and life and joy and peace. They get caught up in it, right? And the congruence between the words coming out of your mouth and the meditations of your heart cause the atmosphere to be supercharged with expectation and birth change right while you sing it. Yes. That's something. She came in upset, right? Upset and left out, shifted. All the, and here's the thing, and it wasn't anything scripted, obviously. Oh, we'd be singing it over and over again. You know how we do. <laughs> you know how we do. <laughs> but it was what it was, it was, it was what, what she needed in that moment, right? Unbeknownst to me and everybody else in the room except God. And that's what I'm talking about. Then one, you know, one uh, phrase or whatever it may be. But the difference between that, you know, that one phrase and any other phrase is that that phrase was designed. Designed for the situation she was in and the birth transition in her life at that moment. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So let's get into this. Cultivating your secret place. Psalm 24 Three through six. Say, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy, pray, holy place? He that had clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. Oh, my God, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. So you all, several things I want you to notice from this verse that it has a lot to do with what we do in worship. First thing I want you to notice in verse six, and I know that you all know this in theory, but we want to know it experientially. Write this down. All worship is ascending. Okay. All worship. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? So all worship is ascending in nature, all right? And, and what that means, if you think about those, anybody ever been uh, mountain climbing or like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Hiking, right? And you, 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 those who, for example, people that 
climb Kilimanjaro or Mount Everest with their crazy selves. <laughs> well, they don't just go right up the mountain, right? It, they, they ascend in stages and in levels. They ascend up the mountain, right? With the, with the objective of reaching it to the peak of that mountain, right? And that's sort of a picture of what worship is all about. It is an ascension, right? It's, it's, it's layered. It's supposed to be building. Worship should never get boring. It should be building. See, it's supposed to be building and building and building, right? And it come to a peak, right? In his presence, but it is ascending in nature. It talks about several things here about ascension. If we're going to ascend in the mount of the Lord, watch what he says. You got to have clean hands. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout, lifestyle matters. matters. Got to have clean hands, right? Which has a lot to do with lifestyle. But notice he says, you got to have a pure heart. Somebody shout, it's an inside job. It's It's also an outside job. So if we're going to be, if our worship is going to be ascending in nature, we got to focus on what's going on within and without. Because it's a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart, but it's also a matter of the lights, the lifestyle. All right. He has not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Right. So it has a lot to do with our motive when it comes to our worship. What is our motive in our worship? Right. Do we want to be seen? Do we want to look like something? Here's something. Do we want to sound like something? And I'm not talking about being on the right note or the right melody and all this other kind of stuff. Y'all don't. I still don't know what key I sing in. <laughs> to this day, I don't know. I don't even know. Couldn't tell you. They're like, where you start, doc? I don't know. Right? What I'm talking about, what, what does this moment, what does this moment mean to me? And does it mean to me what it means to him? You got that? Does it mean to me what it means to him? Because we don't want any vainness, right? We don't, and vanity can come in many forms, right? The, one of the most vain things about worship or in worship we can do is be preoccupied with ourselves. Oh my God. Come on, somebody. Okay, because the moment that we take worship away from an ascending nature and then we now begin looking at ourselves, that, that literally is the sin of Satan. If you think about it, right? Bible said he got exalted in himself. Y'all got that? When everything about him was supposed to resonate the glory of God. But you know what he did? He caught a glimpse of himself. Oh my God. Tell somebody, never catch a glimpse of yourself in worship. He caught a glimpse of himself. Oh my God. He caught a glimpse. He started smelling himself. He caught a glimpse of himself. Y'all got that? And everything, say everything emanating from me is about the glory of the king. Got that? Everything that comes out of me is about the glory of the king. It's not about looking like anything to anybody. It's not about competing with anyone. It's not about sounding like anything. I'm not trying to impress anybody. All, oh my God, all of this is for the glory of the king. It's all ascending. It's all, it's all to be left with him. This is why, you know, we were here one Wednesday night and the praise team brought the varsity, their uh, JV praise. Y'all remember that? Brought, remember that night y'all brought your JV praise? I'm like, uh-uh, no. No, we doing varsity praise tonight. Yo, y'all don't remember that. No, I remember that Wednesday night, they come up in here with that JV praise. I'm like, nah, no, we better kick it up a notch. Why? Every time. Every time. Every time. 
Oh, come on, every time. Every single time. The thing about the, thing about the worship of heaven right now, anybody laying back chilling? Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody thinking about their mansion? You know, the Bible says in my father's house are many mansions, right? Nobody's worshiping God thinking about the mansion they got down the street. <laughs> oh, God. He is their obsession. He is their focus. He has their full attention. You understand that? They have, he has their full attention. That's what it's all about. All right? So, they, so watch this now. So worship, as we said a moment ago, somebody shout, it's ascending. And that's one of the reasons, I don't know if you all have ever looked at the, anybody ever read uh, the Psalms and then the little paraphrase on there, the little inscription says, this is a song of degrees. Oh my God. You know another translation for the song of degrees? Listen to this. You know what that actually means? Songs of ascent. Oh my God. They are songs of, somebody shout, songs of ascent. Ascent, you know what that means? So what that denotes, what songs of ascent, ascent uh, denote, it denotes a traveler on a journey expressing greater and greater degrees of dependence upon God. That's what the song of, the song of degrees represents. A traveler, aren't we travelers on a journey? This is not our home, we're sojourners, the Bible calls us, right? So we're on a journey. And as we go along in life, we're realizing that we need God more and more. And so we're resonating that more in our worship. And it's just it, the, the, that, that moreness, that moreness, right? It resonates even more. And the more we walk with him, the more we know we need him. And that's what the song of degrees is all about is that my dependency upon God is building the same way that my volume is building, my dependency upon God is intensifying more and more and more. Yes. See, it's in degrees. And it gets higher and higher as it gets deeper and deeper, and it gets fuller and fuller until it completely, uh, it, whew, ha, mm, ha, until it completely envelops the worshiper. And if your worship doesn't envelop you, it won't envelop anybody else. If it doesn't envelop you, it won't envelop anyone else. Let me say it earlier, earlier, what stands in the way of an atmosphere of glory is a mismatch between the songs coming out of the mouth of the worshiper and the meditations of the heart of the worshiper. And that mismatch becomes an impairment to atmospheres of glory. It begins to hinder the atmosphere. It's that mismatch. It's nothing less than that mismatch between the two. Isn't that right? Songs of degrees, all right? And you can actually look up a little bit more on that. Matter of fact, if you wanna write this down, songs of degrees are uh, the Psalms 120 through 134 are songs of degrees. And you can look at them, and when you look at them, you'll see, for example, you'll see, uh, people dealing with great loss, right? And leaning on the Lord. You'll hear like 122, the pilgrim song. I'm on a journey with God. 123, the worshiper is calling out for help with God. 124, the worshiper expressing gratitude to God. Y'all got that? Uh, uh, 127, right? Talks about the fact that I can't even build what I'm building without you. So again, see these things, these are degrees and 
It's ascending in dependency. The worshiper is ascending, is deepening in dependency. The worship is ascending, but he's deepening in dependency upon God. 130, the confession of sin and asking of forgiveness. Uh, 131, the expression of childlike faith and humble surrender. And so this thing just keeps building and building, building in these songs, uh, songs of degrees. All right. So abiding as a worshiper, we started out talking about abiding in this and abiding of a worshiper. Abiding as a worshiper requires a dedicated heart. Somebody shout a dedicated heart. Right. And so that means that we got to be very intentional about what's going on in our heart on a daily basis, on the regular, because abiding and creating a secret place where we abide with him means that our hearts, who shall ascend? Only him that has clean hands and what? A pure heart, right? And we should never be those that have to get our heart pure. Tell somebody, keep your heart pure. And it's the keeping of a pure heart that denotes the dedication of the heart. Here's something else that's real important, all right? And I hope everyone has this, a dedicated place. You know, and I, I don't want to make this religious and it don't have to just be that place, but do you have a place where God knows you meet him? Yes. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you have a place where God knows you meet him? You know you meet God there. You intend to meet with him there, to talk with him there. Remember when Abraham or Jacob, they passed by a certain place, they built an altar to the Lord. You know why? Because they had experiences meeting God in that place. So they built altars there because they say, you know what, if God won't meet me anywhere else, he'll meet me in this place. And so do you have a dedicated place? All right, not to be religious and not to stick to this also, right? Do you have a dedicated time? Do you have a time? Do you have a sacrificial time? I mean, tell me 3.30 in the afternoon, right? But do you have a dedicated time? Now watch this now. If that, if that time is not sacrificial, it's probably not significant. So I want you to think about that and what does that look like for you? If it's not sacrificial, remember David said, remember when David had sinned by numbering the people and when he came to the place where he saw the angel, the person that owned the land said, oh, you can have the land and make your sacrifice. Listen to what David said. David said, I will not offer the Lord anything that didn't cost me something. Come on, tell somebody, don't you offer God nothing that didn't cost you nothing. You understand that? So when we talk about a dedicated heart and a dedicated place and a dedicated time, 3.30 in the afternoon ain't costing you nothing. Now, if you said 3.30 in the morning, hello, somebody, it costs you something. <laughs> somebody shout, I will not offer the Lord that which costs me nothing. Now, which means if your, listen, which means if your devotion isn't costing you nothing, it don't, it's not worth anything to God. Oh, Lord, help me. God is glorified through sacrifices. Uh, uh, remember this one? Remember the cross? God is glorified in dead sons. Hello, somebody. So if it ain't costing you nothing, it don't, it, it don't, it don't mean much to him if it don't cost you anything. You understand that? All right. And again, we're not being religious about it because we know we can worship God anywhere at any time and all that. But I'm talking about Abiding and abiding deeply in him, deeply in him. You understand that? I said, I opened up, for those that came a little bit late, I opened up talking about what, what sits at the bottom of our soul, soul and the fact that for the worshiper, 
there ought to all be, always be a song, a melody, uh, something that points to God, just uh, ruminating in there, just percolating on low, like grandma used to put the pots on low and come to church. Ought to be something just percolating in there constantly. You understand that? So that when we come together, oh, it erupts. But it erupts because it's already been percolating. It's already been going. All right? So how do we cultivate a secret place with God? Now, we got to, first of all, make it practical. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Make it practical. Uh, verse 16. Rejoice always. Somebody shout always. always. Now, back, what does rejoicing always have to do with my worship? Okay, might tell me, what does rejoicing always have to do with my worship? I'm going to ask you a question. Let me ask it another way and make it real simple. Is it easier to push a car uphill or to push it downhill? <laughs> Which one's easier? If you, keep, if you keep rejoicing, keep rejoicing, then when you get into the worshipful mode and when you get into that what you do for worship, oh, it's like, it's like pushing the car. This thing is picking up speed quickly and relatively easily. Oh, come on, somebody. But if you, don't if you don't do what he said, rejoice when? Always, right? If you don't, then what does it mean to rejoice? To express feelings of delight. Oh, my God. Tell somebody, talk about what you're happy about. Philippians, God, remember there's protection in the principle, right? Whatever's lovely, whatever's virtuous, was it praise, worth, right? Why do you think God spent so much time telling us what to think about? Come on, ask me. Why do you think God spent so much time telling us what to think about? Huh? Whatever holds your attention gets your worship. Whatever holds your attention gets your worship. But again, we're talking about worshipers who abide. So the worship is not a chore. So the atmospheres are very easily, like what happened at the beginning of our session today. Atmospheres are very easily shifted. We didn't have any music. We did not sing long. The atmosphere was very quickly and easily shifted because for someone, several someones, this has been going on. Oh, come on, somebody. So now think about this, right? Why does he spend so much time telling us? This is what you're supposed to think on. This is what you're supposed to think about. This is what you're supposed to be expressing, right? Because for the worshiper, right, think about how easy it is to just step into that place and usher others into that place when you don't have to get past all the stuff you've been talking about. Come on, because it wasn't lovely, it wasn't good, it wasn't of a good report. You don't have to get past all the complaining you've did today. To your, 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 complaining, right? You got complaining all day and then lyrics that glorify God by night. Somebody shout, there's a mismatch. So rejoicing ought to be the thing that you regularly and normally and routinely do. Why? Because you want to stay locked and loaded. You want to make sure that when you start pushing the car, it goes down, it goes down very quickly. Somebody tell me it's going down, right? And it's going down quickly. Uh -huh. The difference between pushing the car up the hill and pushing the car down the hill. What do you mean by that? Somebody shout, gravity's on my side. <laughs> 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 
Hello, somebody. And when gravity is on your side, momentum is easy. Oh, come on, somebody. When gravity is not on your side, it's, it's hard out there for a pimp. Tell somebody, it's hard out there for a preacher. <laughs> but you, you've got to, you, you know what the struggle is? The struggle is all the stuff you've been saying and thinking all day long. The struggle is the disconnect between, you know, the, the, the misnomer, right? Worship is who I am. <sighs> it's got to get from the do to the who. Because when, you, when it gets to the who, then you'll protect your perspective. Come on, write that down. I need to protect my perspective. I can't, my worship can't afford these words. Oh, come on, somebody. So I'm not complaining. I'm not murmuring. I'm not talking about, you know, stuff ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm not coming out my mouth talking about people all day long. I, I don't care what these other crazy folk are doing out here in this world. I was made by God and for God. My mouth has been sanctified to God. And I don't want anything to stand in the way of me being able to render pure worship on a drop of a dime. So, you see, all of this happens way before you ever get to the pulpit before you ever get a mic. It's somebody shout, it's, it's ongoing. Y'all got that? So he said rejoice. Rejoice means to express feelings of delight. Y'all got that? Ask somebody, what have you been talking about all day long? Look somebody, ask them, what have you been talking about all day long? All right, what have you been, what have you been expressing about? Here's, here's a question, this is a bit, what, what, oh my God. Perspective matters to a worship group. What agenda has gotten your passion all day long? Huh. Because really, that's what we're talking about. What agenda? Because wherever there's agenda, there's information. Every, all information comes with an agenda, right? But what agenda has gotten your passion? What have you been hot about all day? Hello, somebody. What have you been hot about? What have you been fervent about today? See, that's the kind of stuff that matters. So he said, rejoice always. Now, there's another fundamental part of making the secret place practical. Pray without ceasing. Come on, somebody. Pray without ceasing. What does that look like, praying without ceasing? Anybody, what does that look like? Praying all day, every day, huh? It's everything going on, right? Somebody shout, I'm bringing God into every conversation. Come on, I'm, I am bringing him into everything going on today. Hello, somebody. I'm bringing him. You know, I've had several people today send me requests for prayers. And you know what I did? Stopped and prayed for their specific request. I ain't going to wait till later on. Come on, somebody. Because there's stuff going on around me all the time. And I... The, the worshiper should never be the one, oh, that's a doggone shame. No, you're the one supposed to be praying. <laughs> Come on, tell somebody the power to change it is in your mouth. God don't hear nobody else, he hears you. He reserved the godly for himself. You, do you realize, this is no joke, do you realize how much God fights to keep you as a worshiper? Y'all didn't hear what I just said. 
God, the Bible said, the Father seeketh such to what? Worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Y'all got that? If God seeks it, God defends it. That means God fights to keep you in worship. Your worship of God means just that much to him that he'll come against anything coming against you to keep you in worship. Oh my God, you understand that? But now, you gotta conspire with God's agenda to keep you in worship. <laughs> if God is fighting to keep you in worship, you should be fighting to stay in worship. Oh, come on somebody. Y'all got that? Pray without ceasing. Now, so that tells me that if we get into complaining and all these other things, right? You ain't praying. Because prayer means, write this down, intercession takes relationships to the realm of the spirit. So now I'm not just dealing with, I'm not out here dealing with relationships on my own and my own feelings. Come on, somebody. You're not going to be fervent in worship and you stay in your feelings all day long. Oh, come on, somebody. So intercession takes relationships to the realm of the spirit. I'm not going to deal with you without dealing with God about you. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to say something to God. Tell somebody, I'm going to say something to God about you today. Hello, somebody. Especially if you're on my nerves. I'm going to say something to God about you today. Y'all got that? And the strength to endure, the strength to endure, the challenges that relationship presents are found in praying without ceasing. Y'all got that? You pray without ceasing, relationships can't frustrate you. Oh, God. Because you roll it on. Oh, come on. I said if you pray without ceasing, relationships cannot frustrate you. Somebody shout, I'm casting my care. I'm rolling them on. Jesus, you see this clown? <laughs> All right. And sometimes the most spiritual prayer you can ever pray is, Lord, help. Help now. Y'all got that? Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, right? So the worshipers should be expressive of what we are grateful for. That's supposed to be a common theme. As a worshiper, right, it ought to be common for you to just be talking about what you're grateful for. Oh, what you're thankful for. Oh, come on, somebody. It ought to be, that ought to be just normal to you. That ought to come normal to you, to just find something daily to be grateful for, to be thankful for. To be appreciative of. You understand that? You get up in the morning, you just start, I don't know. I get up in the morning and I start thinking about the goodness of God in my life. It's a true story. I'm walking out my bedroom and then a wall of glass. I'm watching the sun come up, 6 a.m. I'm watching the sun. I am just grateful to God for his favor on my life, the well-being of my family. I'm grateful to God for his constant help. I'm grateful to God. And that thought of gratitude, right? That's a part of your worship. You understand that? So it should be common as a worshiper that you're ruminating, say ruminating, that you're ruminating over what you are grateful for. And you can't wait to get the prayer because you're going to let him know. Tell somebody, I'm going to give him the business. I'm going to let him know you did this and I know you did it. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to give him the business. Hello, somebody. Isn't that right? 
So if we're going to cultivate this secret place, somebody shout, it has to be practical. Now, everything I just said, isn't it practical? It's practical. If it's not practical, it's not spiritual. You understand that? Anybody getting that this is a lifestyle yet? Come on, somebody. Y'all notice in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, one of the things that the priests could never be was common. Anybody ever read that? Somebody shout separate. They were completely separate people because of their duty to bridge the gap between God and man. Oh my God. And if you're gonna be the medium, somebody shout medium. You know what they really were? They were daysmen. You know what Job said? There's no daysmen. There's nobody between me and God. And so if you're gonna be a, a suitable daysman, a person that stands between people and God in the sense that you're trying to bridge the gap and get them back to him, oh, you gotta be separate, says the Lord. You can't be common. You gotta be committed to this thing. You gotta see this your whole lifestyle. D-A-Y-S-M-A-N, it's one word, daysman. Right? It means mediator, somebody who goes between, somebody who bridges the gap. It is like, it is a picture of Christ. Remember Paul said in, in Timothy, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's human, he touches humans. He's God, he touches God. He's the bridge in between getting God back to man. Y'all got that? So Job, when Job said, I wish there was a daysman, he was really talking about the Christ. Right? His longing was for this person that could really stand in the gap. Well, the reality of it is, that's what the priests were doing. That's what the sacrifice, the sacrifices were about bridging gaps. Okay? It was about bridging gaps. It was about getting people back in right standing with God. Getting people back in a context that was pleasing to God. Isn't that right? You think about it, as I said before, people come into an atmosphere where you are. Right? And they come in many different states that are not in alignment with where God is. And then you are there as a daysman. Oh God, you are there to pull them back into the context of God's intention. Worship. Worship is not an event. It is a lifestyle. Oh God, it's not an event. It is a lifestyle. But that means that the people that have been consecrated for it, have to be committed to it. What's our hands? I'm gonna say that again. The people that have been consecrated for it have to be committed to it. I'm gonna say it again. The people that have been consecrated for it have to be committed to it. Look somebody tell them, quit dabbling. You gotta, you gotta quit dabbling. You wanna get common on Friday and wanna be sanctified on Sunday. That ain't gonna work out very well for the atmosphere you're endeavoring to create. That ain't gonna work out very well for you. So in the, in the Old Testament, they had the priests were the ones who did the sacrifice, mm -hmm. right? And if we're the days in today, it's like worship the sacrifice. I said that earlier. If your worship doesn't cost anything to you, it has no value to God. You understand that? This process of being in the place God wants you to be, you have to lose sleep for it. Or, 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 you gotta make sacrifices, meaning I would much rather they invited me somewhere, but I really feel like God wants me with him. Oh, come on, somebody. So you're denying yourself that pleasure because your treasure is presence. 
You're, you're, oh, you're exchanging pleasure with your friends for the presence of God. Not all the time, but you know he's calling you here. You know he's saying, come unto me. You understand that? So you're consciously saying, all right, I'm not going. Why you ain't going? Because I got a date. You understand that? You got, I got a date. Treasure in solitude, much as you love talking, but you treasure in solitude. You know you need to quiet your soul and, and really be in God's presence and hear what God is saying. You understand that? Does that make sense? I saw a hand over here. No? Yes? Amen? So, so somebody shout, it has to be practical. Now, the second thing, if we're going to cultivate a secret place, right? Not only must it be practical, it must be personal. It must be personal. Ephesians 5.19. Listen to this, right? And think about this verse in the context of, I'm a worshiper. I've been consecrated to this assignment of cultivating atmospheres for the glory of God to be revealed. Think of it in that context, right? Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. <laughs> oh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Y'all got that? Just as a way you live life. Does that make sense? Now, let me show you how that affects your relationship, right? This means, talk about married people. I, I, so for this reason, I ain't finna be arguing with my wife all day long. Mm -mm. I'm finna agree with my adversary quickly. <laughs> remember this song? Some of y'all may be old enough. I know you remember it. Don't disturb this groove. It might. All right, y'all see the two there. Remember. Y'all, the rest of y'all don't, or three of us know, don't, somebody shout, don't disturb this groove. There should be. A, I'm old people tourist. I'm old people tourist. So I remember songs like that, okay? But there should be this constant song, this constant song, this constant melody, this constant frame. And frame and reframe and reframe and it just goes on and it's the song that never ends. I'm telling you, if you're a worshiper, you should be very, very concerned if that song inside of you ends. If you, oh, I wish I had somebody that know what I'm talking about. I wish I had somebody know what I'm talking about. Hello, somebody. If that song ends, you need to repent of something. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. There should be a, oh God, anybody know what I'm talking about in this room? Yeah. There should be a never ending song that's just going on. And like I said earlier, you can hear it when you get quiet and get away from people, you hear it, it's always there. But you hear it more when you get rid of voices from around you. It begins to amplify in solitude. If it stops, there's something to repent of. Hello, somebody. If it stops, you done got skewed somewhere. Hello, you got twisted up somewhere. You got caught up somewhere. Come on. Is there a season, maybe like a few years, that you might have to maybe kind of shut down until you kind of learn? Not, I mean, not completely shut down, but I'm saying, you know, make God your focus. 
is it like a scene that some people go through that you kind of like shut down with it? It just should be a gradual thing. Like I remember you said, like for three years you was on the floor mm -hmm. of the house crying and all of that. And um, three years, your first three years of salvation, you were on your floor every day for three years. So is there like sometimes like a, a season thing? You need to, when you're learning how to cultivate worship and prayer, there's a season that you got to shut down a little bit more those three those first three years of my life were a major reset of my why you understand that everything had to be reset okay because I had to get and this is what that time really was about right I'm going through all this craziness right and I know God if you don't say something or do something I'm gonna hurt somebody so I'm gonna just hang out with you so I don't know how to deal with them so I'm in, I'm in the presence of God, and you know what's crumbling? Rage, okay, because I really could hurt somebody. Rage, pride, and perversion. Those really, when I look back over those three years, it was killing that stuff, killing that stuff, and getting it completely out of my soul. And it seemed that that's what that time was about more than anything else. It was a massive reset and a reorientation of my entire existence. Now, couple that with, all right, I'm in to this day, to this very day, right? Chapter one. So I'm listening to the word for hours and hours, just a washing over my soul, a washing of the water of the word over my soul, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, constantly, 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 right? Because everybody really should, we all need to go through a reacclimation process, right? Where we, we get realigned with and, and back in tune with God's intention for our soul and our three-part being. You understand that? So for me, it was really about quieting all of that thing and bringing about, there were deliverances that happened in that place. You know, we, we put y'all the drive-through window in, y'all got a deliverance team now, so y'all can get the drive-through deliverance here. I mean, but for me, it, yeah. I want deliverance and I want it now, right? So y'all get to drive the window. But for me, there were so many deliverances that were wrought in my life in the presence of God. You understand that? Just broken down and so, so many things were broken down in the city of my soul. You spend that much time with God, you see what's going on inside of you. That's the bottom line. You see exactly what's going on inside of you, all right? And until I spent copious amounts of time with God, it wasn't really safe for me to be dealing too much with people. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Does that make sense? Now, what I'm talking about, though, is this. We're talking about cultivating a lifestyle as a worshiper where we simply abide in this place. You understand that? Now, why is this so important? You got to go to work. You got to go to work. You got to do relationship. You got to go out into the public square. So we're talking about learning how to stay in this place no matter what's going on around you. You understand that? We don't, you don't, see, it's not about escaping anything. And we don't want you escaping anything because anything you escape, you escape, you running from. We want you to become so firm and solid in this place, you can't be moved by anything. Oh, come on, because your commitment to him is so deep, you don't let anything disturb the groove that's going on between you and God. Does that make sense? 
You don't allow any time. You don't allow any time or any opportunity for distance or space. There is no, I need to get back where I used to be with God because you just don't leave. <laughs> Hello? That annoys me. I know I need to get back where I need to be with God. Well, who you been with? Why you was away from him? What they get you into? Y'all got that? Does that make sense to you? All right. So speaking to yourselves, Ephesians 5:19, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ask somebody, is that what you do all day long? Singing and making melody. Some of y'all ain't asking nobody nothing. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Somebody shout, this is my way. This is how, this is how the worshiper is supposed to be doing, doing life. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And you're not letting anything disturb this dynamic that's going on. You understand that? And sometimes you seem dismissive. And sometimes you seem nonchalant. And sometimes you may seem uncaring. But it's because you want to be unmoved from this place. Let's deal with this quickly. Come on, what you got to say so we can move on? Because I got to testify, I got to be in my spot. I got to be in my spot. Anybody get what I'm telling you? I've got to stay in this place. Amen? Y'all see another hand? All right. Oh, your hands rejoicing? All right. So everyone, come on. Yes, Tia. Heart and soul. What's going on in your soul matches the words that are coming out, right? 
Oh, it's about to go down. Somebody's about to get caught up in this stuff going on between me and God, right? Somebody's about to get caught up. It's about to go down, right? So, so think about that, right? So if that's real, which I know it is real, worship is, is oh, out of this place, supernatural things begin to happen. I just had this happen in Ohio, so I got to get away from y'all sometimes. Supernatural things. But, but now supernatural things begin to happen in that place, right? So God is working through you to touch lives, to tr transition people. All leadership is transitional, right? We are worship leaders, right? That means that we are transitioning people from something to something. That is the whole situation for the demonic ranks. Oh, God. That, you are creating situations for the demonic ranks. You call this problems. So you should have expected some retaliation. You understand that? Because you, if what we do is real, and it really transitions people from something, if it bridges gaps, okay, if it becomes a ball, a ball that, that begins to heal atmospheres, heal the lives of people in atmospheres, you are creating a problem. And you create a problem for the demonic realm. Because through what you're doing, people are inspired to ascend. Then you know what happens? They're taking their mind off their problems and they went vertical because of you. Oh, oh, this is a problem. Tell me, you are causing problems. You cause people that were stuck in the horizon, the horizontal to go vertical. You are causing problems. That makes sense? So every time, you know, like the fierce battle, I don't even talk about it. I, I tell the people that are used to fighting them with me and nobody else. Because I trust them. Yeah, that's good. Right? I don't go, oh, God, it's so hard out here. There's so much warfare going on. No, 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 no. I tell people that understand the war, right? I tell people that I know understand. They take intercessors very seriously, right? And people that are not distracted by it. But I fully expect it. I fully expected it. See? And now I know what comes next. I know what comes next. I'm experiencing that right now. Went through this massive craziness, right? You know, and all of a sudden, right, I got one text message that told me to break through cake. One text message. You understand that? And I knew it was coming by all the drama. Same, I'm going to tell you the biggest target. Satan starts kicking up stuff in the emotions of people you care about. This is what I'm saying right now. If he can't come directly at you, Adam, he comes at somebody you care about. Somebody right around you you care about, he starts kicking up dust in their emotions. Okay? All kinds of stuff starts going on. But you should have expected it. Because you, you are a whole situation. Y'all did not hear what I did. <laughs> oh! You are a whole, tell somebody, you are a whole situation. Yes. When it's new, I mean, for, for, for some of us and for some, that's new. So when it first started happening, you're like, what in the devil is going on? So that's all I'm going to say. When it's new, you have to, it's a learning process. You're like, you know, you thinking like, what I did? But that's, you know, that's why we're here to learn. For every time we're going through something, you're speaking.
speak directly to where you at at the time. So thank you. Praise God. I'm going to tell you what will help you out immensely when it comes to dealing with warfare and particularly when the enemy starts dredging up stuff around, through these human beings around you that just seem to like yielding themselves to him. Right? One thing you got to learn. One thing you got to learn. Come on, child. One thing. This, this right here, one thing. Well, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. Right? And these are not necessarily in order. The first of them is self-mastery. Self-mastery. Okay? I am not responsible for what come out of you. I'm responsible for everything that comes out of me. Hello? I'm not responsible for what come out your mouth, your attitude, right? I am 100% responsible for, for every one of my reactions. Every one of my reactions are my issue. They're my issue and nobody else. That make sense? And what I want to do is I want to I want to master myself, right? The fruit of the spirit is temperance. That word means self-control. Y'all got that? It is an offense to the Holy Spirit when somebody else can control you and he can't. Look, somebody tell them treason. It's treason. Tell them it's treason. It's treason. It is, is an act of treason when you can be led by somebody's mood but be, can't, can't be led by the Holy Ghost. Treason. High treason. When the worshiper can be angered but can't be inspired. It's treason. Absolutely. 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 Write this down. My walk with God is found in my responses to men. You want to know where you really are with God? How do you respond to men? That's, that's where you really are. Your walk with God is found in your responses to men. Human beings being human. Self-mastery. Somebody shout self-mastery. Self got that? Self-mastery. See that? So when the enemy comes in like a flood, try to get you all hot and bothered, but you know what to do. You know how to control. Bring your vessel under control. You ain't got no spouse, so you know how to douse that fire. Hello, somebody, somebody shout self-mastery. Self-mastery is when you quit playing with yourself because you know what to do when, them, when the enemy try to... Raise them fire. Hello? Because you got a husband. That's why I went over your head. I bet all the single people caught it. <laughs> you know what to do with yours. Hello, somebody. Somebody shout, our God is a consuming fire. So why is it now? So the fire, the enemy tries to kick up fires of lust, but the fire of God's presence swallows it up. Tell somebody run straight to God. Tell somebody run straight to God with your lust. Tell somebody run straight to God with your lust. And if you do, you won't play with it, play with it, play with it. Don't play with it.
Uh-huh. No, 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 no. So we need to sanctify that dreamscape. See, that's a whole, that's a place. The dreamscape is a place. It's a realm. It's a place. We got to sanctify that. See, now you know what? And that really means that there are things that you are picking up throughout the day that you're unaware of until you're unconscious. And then they show up. They show up, and they want to do it. <laughs> and that means that you have to be more intentional about you are, what you're willing to expose your soul to. You got to be more intentional. Does that make sense? Because you want to make sure that when you get in that unconscious state, that's a place, y'all have heard me say this before. When, there are times when I'm asleep, and entire sermons come to me while I'm asleep, I have to wake up and write them down. Because it's a place where God meets me for you. Yeah. Whole message. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I'm going to give you a scripture. Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Matches what Mark was just saying, right? He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. When, 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 you, don't have, when you don't have control over your spirit, meaning by what you're choosing to do and exercising spiritual authority and maintaining spiritual congruence and being very particular about what you allow in your spirit, right? then the walls are broken down. Yeah. Now, if the walls are broken down, thieves can walk right on in there, doing the hoochie-coochie on your dreams, right? But it's because it just told you right there, just told you right here in Proverbs 25, 28, <laughs> you can't blame nobody for breaking into your house if you left the door open. You got a whole, a whole wall torn down in your house. You can't get mad when the thief come in trying to get the hoochie-coochie. Somebody shout, I can't manage the behavior of a thief. Somebody shout, I cannot manage the behavior of a thief, but I can manage the condition of my spirit. Oh, come on. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. See that? So we got, remember, oh, y'all are worshipers, right? Y'all, everybody here is a worshiper, right? Everything matters to you. It matters more to you than it matters to anyone else. That, all right, so let me put it out here. Because of what you constantly are consecrated to do, there are rules for you that don't apply to others. There you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Didn't the priests have rules that the people didn't have? Didn't the priests have rules that the people didn't have? Come on, somebody. So because of where you are and what you have been chosen and consecrated to do, 
There are things that you cannot expose yourself to and still be a suitable host for the presence of God. Cheryl? Zephaniah 317. <laughs> the Lord, I'm going to read the Amplified Version. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction, and in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will sing over you. He will exalt over you with singing. Think about that. He will delight in you with singing. So it's the song of the Lord. The, the Lord's singing over you is an invitation for you to sing with the Lord. You understand that? He gives us the desires of our hearts, right? He gives us the desires of our heart. He also gives us the desires of his heart. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And when God gives you a song, he's giving you what he wants to hear. You understand that? He's giving you what he wants to hear. Does that make sense? Very good point. All right. Go ahead. Well, do you think he wants you to be stingy with it? <laughs> you know, sometimes he wants you to perfect what he wants you later to present. Okay? Because a lot of times what will make it mean something to them is seeing that it means something to you. Remember, everything about leadership is bringing people from something to something. You're inviting people into something. You're inviting them into something. You know, think about this, right? Okay, so as a worship leader, if, if, if you came into this church and we were lining hymns, you too would be lining hymns. You would just acquiesce likely to whatever is going on. Come on, somebody. Hello. You bitch. That's Like, who is Charles? Right. But you came into an environment where this ascending worship, oh God, this passion and seeking is the norm. And it changed you. Come on, it changed you. 
He said, now you will settle for no less. Think about it. Now you're aggravating. Every time you go somewhere, you're comparing it to where you came from. You're aggravating now. somebody <laughs> and then there's you now what does it mean that you're there come on what does it mean that you're there that's what we're talking about because they're coming broken busted disgusted impaired right aggravated all this right and then there's you now what does it mean that they when they encounter you do they encounter him because you abide in him. You understand that? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. All right? And I go back, I'll go back to how we opened up this meeting, right? I'll go back to how we opened up this meeting. It wasn't even five minutes of a song. Nobody was playing any instruments, right? It was a song that had been sitting in my soul all day long, probably the last couple days, right? And within just those couple minutes, this whole thing just shifted in the presence of God, right? Because it was real to me, because it's been sitting with me. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. All right. So it has to be practical. Somebody shout, it has to be practical. It has to be personal. Thirdly, it has to be persistent. All right? Hebrews 13, 15. Persistent praise. Persistent worship. Now, write this down. My worship should persist beyond my problems. I can't have a problem that's ever supposed to be bigger than my worship. Persistent. It must be persistent. Hebrews 13, 15. Watch this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Oh my God. Continually. Y'all see that? The word is continually. God wants your praise to be continual, not to be continued. <laughs> I get back in worship. Well, I see you on Wednesday night for worship. From, ain't no worship from Sunday to Wednesday. We to be continued. Somebody shout continually. Not to be continued. 
see you Wednesday. See you Wednesday when we get back to where we're supposed to be all the time. Let us offer continually, right? Without distraction. And this means that we are coming to a place where we're enduring trials with joy. Come on, somebody. I talked to T about this earlier, right? But we praise right through warfare. We praise through warfare. Right through warfare. Praise through it, right? Knowing that our, pro our praise creates a problem for the demonic realm. Y'all realize that <laughs> if warfare is, and particularly, if, more, if you think about it, right, the object of warfare is really to undermine you emotionally. Because he's got to get to the seat of where you make decisions. Come on, somebody. So, so he targets your emotions because he's got to get to the center of your decision making. You understand that? Because look what the text said, Hebrews 13, 15. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. Let is a word of what? Volition. A word of volition. A word of choice. Let comes out of your soul. Oh, God. Let comes out of your soul. Let is, let is the exercise of your will. It's the exercise of free will. Isn't that right? So this is why he tries to bog you down emotionally because he knows that if you get a hold of your emotions, you're not, you're not going to let you continually offer praise. And that's why the best thing you can do with your problems is praise through your problems because then he doesn't know what to do with someone who keeps praising through their problems. He, does, he doesn't. It doesn't make sense because you're contradicting his efforts. That ain't no joke. You understand that? So, right, so, right, the worst thing happens, you break out in the song. All right, Paul and Silas. They were not Oreo Road They were lowered down by a rope lightly into a dungeon that probably had about a foot of fecal matter. More than likely, this is what prisons were like in that time. And then you know what they said? Better put a praise on it. They thought that this would be the perfect time and the perfect environment to render to God perfect praise. That's why that didn't make no sense at all. Unless, unless you understand that your worship is a contradiction to the enemy's strategy to gain a hold of your attention so you don't let yourself offer God a continual praise. See that? So tell them I do just the opposite. Quit crying and start rejoicing. Hello, somebody. Mad is a surrender of your mood to the demonic realm. I'm going to say that again. Mad is the surrender of your mood to the demonic realm. All right, I'm going to say it one more time. Mad is the surrender of your mood to the demonic realm. Hello? That's why I drained you, because there are forces at work. Y'all ever notice 
much energy, man. You need a whole nap out to be a man. Right? Because you're losing warfare. Oh my God. You get beat down. You get beat down. You're losing the battle. You understand that? Mad is, I'm going to say it again to you right now. Mad is the surrender of your mood to the demonic realm. Now, say it with me. Rejoice. Rejoice. What does the word re mean? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Every time, every time the enemy tries to bring a reason for you to be mad, read. Joyce. And he don't know what they Read. What is it? Just my re up. You gotta re up. I will what? I will rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Oh, so being glad is as much my decision as is being mad. Yes, it is. It's a choice. It's a choice. And back to our song. I don't want anyone to disturb this groove. This don't let nothing steal your song. Come on, tell somebody, don't let nothing steal your song. Don't let nothing steal your song. Don't let nothing steal your song. Because if you get up trying to lead worship and your song has been so stolen, you're gonna come across very empty and inauthentic. If your song ain't moving you, it ain't gonna move nobody else either. Simple as that. You understand that? Going, going through the motions. Hello, somebody. Don't ever just be going through the motions because it's your turn to do something. Don't ever just be going through the motions because it's your turn to do something. You understand that? Make sure this, make, before you open your mouth, before one before one note comes out of your mouth, make sure it has meaning to you. Make sure it means something to you. Because if it don't mean anything to you, it won't mean. These people draw near to me with their mouths, but their heart. Tell somebody, that's a whole problem. Tell somebody, that's a whole problem for God. That is a whole problem for God. You understand that? You singing about God and, and thinking about who you're mad at. And you're gonna give them the business when you get back home. Really? And you think that means something to God? God's like, right? Diet, diet worshiper. Right? Sound great. Let's fill it. <laughs> diet worshiper. All right. So let us continually offer the, the sacrifice of praise. Somebody shout continually. Without distraction. Through trials. Praising in warfare. Now, I'm going to close with this. And then y'all, if you have any more questions, we'll wrap up. And I'm going to hand this back over to whoever. Billy. All right. Avoid. Some things to avoid. So we want to make sure we avoid. If we want to stay in this secret place, we want to avoid spiritual infractions. Spiritual infractions. What are spiritual infractions? Well, that's my number two, emotional distractions. Huh? 
right? We, 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 listen, the, the realm of the spirit is a very legal place. There's a very good reason God is called a righteous judge. There's a very good reason the Holy Spirit is called a counselor. Because there's a whole, there's a whole court system. Make sure your praise is legal. Make sure your worship is legal. Alright. He said, before you bring something to me, Go back and make sure you fix whatever mess you and your brother got going on. Why? Because it's illegal to offer God this, whatever you got to offer God. And you know good well, you hate the person sitting right there. Come to my child, that's a spiritual infraction. You understand that? All right. And the judge said that before you come into my courts, Make sure you have resolved this infraction. Because there's a prosecuting attorney that got a case file on a situation. And if he's right, he's got access to That's why the Bible said, make no what? Rule for the enemy. Now, 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 okay, so what happens when you have spiritual infractions, right? So now you gave the adversary room to interrogate you. So he come in with lies, suggestions, and temptations. Lies, lies, suggestions, and temptations. You understand that? Oh, Y'all got that? See that? So you start hearing stuff like, I just, I probably just need to take some time off worship. I probably need to just step down. Wonder where that suggestion came from. I somebody, I wonder who suggested that. I don't think the Holy Ghost inspired you to quit worshiping God. Uh, all right. Don't play with it. Don't play with me tonight. I don't think the Holy Ghost inspired you to quit worshiping God. That suggestion must have come from someone else. Now the question is, ask somebody, how did he get room to interrogate? How did he get room Because you had an open case file that you did not resolve with someone else. And it gave him room to bring the situation to the table. And now once he's in there talking, you can't control what he says. Brings distortion to the sound. Y'all got that? So there are some legalities when it comes to, oh my God. There are some legalities when it comes to worship. Tell somebody, you better be aware of the legalities. Now why? Tell your neighbor, ignorance is not a defense. Ignorance is not a defense in the court of law. I didn't know. You still get incarcerated based on what you didn't know because ignorance is not a defense in a judicial system. You can be healed up because of what you didn't know. You know, right? Yes.
Mm, come on. Yep. Everything, everything about, I'm telling you, the realm of the spirit is a, it's a, it's a very orderly place. Okay. It's, there's a whole legal system and structure to it. You, and you better understand it. Yes. Absolutely. 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 Warrants. You got any warrants in the spirit? You got warrants? Right? Unconfessed sin. Ignoring your sin. That don't work. That don't work. You got warrants. You got to come back and own that. Changes the case. And time doesn't change the case. That's why you gotta go back and own that. Unconfessed sin is a warrant, is a warrant in the realm of spirit. You understand that? So again, we need to make sure that we avoid spiritual infractions. Alright? Number two, emotional distractions. Emotional distractions. Alright? Uh, and I'm going to make this very personal. I love my wife. Not more than God. <laughs> Hello, somebody. I love that. It doesn't get any more personal than the person I, I'm in covenant with. Right? I love my wife. But my passion. Come on. My all. My, my fullness. My completeness. Right? It comes from him. And it goes to him. See that? So this, that dynamic to what fulfilled me and complete me and drives me is it, 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 trapped up in this vertical relationship so that I can offer the person I should to her. I have to, I have to stay locked into this thing with him. Y'all got what I'm saying? So we got to be mindful of not allowing ourselves to become emotionally distracted. See that? Emotional distractions, right? There's many times too, oh my God. I hope as a worshiper too, whatever lifestyle that you have lived before you came to this magnitude of worship, I hope you went back and was serious about breaking soul ties and really putting periods in, and not question marks with all those situationships. Cause that, that's another part of this because you don't want anything that still has ties 
umbilical cord, any kinds uh, uh, or uh, any claim, watch this, any claims on your soul. When you have soul ties that are unresolved and unheavenly, you somebody still has a claim on your soul. Anybody has a claim can make a demand. And when they make a demand, wherever there's a demand, there's a pull. Now you start longing for them. Oh, y'all are not hear what I did Wherever there's a claim, there's a demand. Wherever there's a demand, there's a pull. Wherever there is a pull, Satan will arrange an intersection. He always does it that way. So we need to make sure that we don't have emotional distractions. Uh, number three, physical perversion. Nothing going on in your life, amen? Quit being nasty, bottom line. Quit, quit being nasty. Get rid of the nasty stuff, all right? And then number four, so we said spiritual infraction, emotional distraction, physical perversion. Y'all know what that is. And then fourth, social distortion. Social distortion. All right? Social distortion. I want to, and, and I want y'all to understand this, okay? There is something that lives in social media that is meant to have an effect on you, to take you away from God. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And it lives in our algorithms. Oh, please hear what I'm saying. It lives in the algorithms. It lives, it lives in the sentiments and the agendas that are going on in all of these realms. And it can distort you. Oh, it can, listen, even worse, it can dilute you. And so you gotta make sure that you're being very selective about what you're willing to expose yourself to. Y'all heard me say this before. I believe you should be on social media. Why? Because we are ambassadors of Christ. Because wherever influence is, godly people need to hold influence. But that means that, somebody shout, when I go there, I'm the influence. I'm being intentional about hearing from him in my engagement with him. Does that make sense? And I'm being very mindful that if I know that something is a distraction, oh, we blocking it. We cutting that off. We making sure, right? When you start picking up on these little agendas and these little narratives and all, no. Delete, block, unfriend, cut off. Why? Because we don't want social distortion. We don't want social dilution. We don't want this culture to thin us out in our passion with God. Y'all got that? And if you get engulfed in this, it will thin you out. It, you don't, it will water you down. And you'll be much less of the worshiper you want to be. All because of this social distortion. Does that make sense? All right. Any questions before I wrap up? I'm done. Mm -hmm. And we got 